Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is your Thursday edition. We are um, recording this a little earlier than I normally do. I'm actually headed up to Cavs Mavs tonight up in Cleveland, so I wanted to record this earlier. This intro, I'm now recording at about 1 o'clock, so if there's bigger Browns news that pops off when I usually record later in the evening and would be able to talk about can't talk about it. This is all I have is what's in front of me. I want to remind you some things that are up on the OBR. Just put up a Chase Winovich film room and his pass rushing um, role that will slide kind of perfectly into this season for the Browns. At least that's the hope. And then other things that are up, uh, the, the Day 42 mock, which if you listen to yesterday's um, uh, dueling mock draft show on Twitch, which I put on the uh, podcast channel here for the audio version, you can go there, check out what those drafts look like, and give us an answer on which one that you prefer more. And then otherwise, Corey Kennan put up a nice piece on day two defensive end targets, uh, defensive line targets that the Browns could be into at pick 44, because I think we really need to start honing in on guys we really want to be there at pick 44 to get a better idea of that. That's why today brought on a guest that can give us more of his insights on guys that he hopes are there at 44 as a developer of his own big board. That's Jeff Risden, who does a great job. And I have some questions about uh, the Detroit stuff that he obviously steps in and covers the Lions a good bit too. So he uh, answers some questions for us on whether Baker would be connected there realistically, what guys at two they're looking at, is the Malik uh, Malik Willis buzz real, so on and so forth. So uh, this is a great episode. I think it's a great interview with Jeff, very insightful, and some good conversation topics where we kind of branch out and and look at bigger picture stuff for the Browns. And, uh, you know, it's always good to check in on the the Great Lakes partners there and uh, Detroit too, because they're going to be heavy players in the first round of this draft. And, you know, we don't have any storylines for the first day of the draft as Browns fans because of the trade. So good conversation built around that. Let's get over to that interview right now with Jeff Risden. Okay, welcoming in Jeff Risden. You know him as the uh, managing editor of Lions Wire, obviously work on the Browns Wire. Jeff, heavily involved in the draft, always has been. He's at Jeff Risden. Make sure you're following him. Jeff, how are you, man? Hey, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Let's dig in first on your Lions. I want I want to ask a couple key questions. The first one is this. We know John Dorsey's up there, Jeff. Is there any interest in adding Baker Mayfield, or is that just people trying to float things out there to float things out there? Are they tied to golf? Kind of bigger question, too. Are they interested in quarterback, period? Do you see them? Like, there's been this weird buzz about Malik Willis, too. Uh, I just uh, I want to know what you think is the, the real uh, sort of – honed in thought about quarterback in in uh, Detroit yeah sure uh, the the Baker stuff is is purely people trying to float ideas out there and I get it like Dorsey drafted Baker Mayfield he is in Detroit he is involved in their decision making process he's not the GM he is the senior assistant to the GM uh, Brad Holmes who's now in his second year um, Ray Agnew um, the former uh, assistant GM in Los Angeles with the Rams is also, he's the assistant general manager here. He's above Dorsey, excuse me, um, Chris Spielman, no introduction needed, my favorite football player ever, is also involved in the decision-making process, and the coaching staff is too. So it's it's like a consensus approach. So Dorsey could want Baker Mayfield all that he wants. And look, it's what, $18.9 million, right, if the, for, for this year yep, with him? Yep, correct. Yeah, um, they're already paying... Uh, Jared Goff, $30 million this year, um, whether they like it or not. And uh, it, it's just not tenable for them to, to acquire that. And they don't have any interest in in Baker Mayfield in the long term because they, look, the big mantra that, that I've been preaching and a lot of other people in the Lions media have been preaching is that 
the goal is to find a quarterback who would be better than Jared Goff in 2023. I don't know that Baker Mayfield would be that. I just my personal evaluation is yes, I think Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback than Jared Goff, especially when when Baker's healthy. Like the guy that I saw in 2020 blows him away, no question about it. But I can't be certain that that's going to happen, and I, I know that the Lions aren't in a position to take that sort of risk right now. As for the quarterback. They do like Jared Goff. Like they, he wasn't just a throw-in in this trade. They, they wanted him, uh, and they're going to do everything they can to make it work in 2022. Because if they, if they have their quarterback in Goff, then it allow, then they have four first-round picks in the next two drafts to to, to play with and, and build around that team. So that that's their hope. Doesn't mean that they won't take one this year. Like the, the Malik Willis stuff at two, I. I understand that there's the buzz about it, but uh, it, I, I actually I don't know how you feel about Malik Willis, but I'll just tell you from my personal film evaluation, he's not even a second-round pick, let alone the number two overall pick. Uh, and I can't fathom them making that leap. Look, there's no denying that he has upside and he has athleticism and he's a great like character guy. Like I, I want that guy to be on my team if I'm a fan, but I've watched him against Louisiana. I watched the Army game. I watched the Mississippi game. Like, I can't get that out of my head. He's not close to ready yet. And, like, you, you can't take that risk. Even if they have a bridge quarterback in Jared Goff, which they do, like, that, that, that that's asking a lot for, for a yeah. team in Detroit State. So I, I, I do think they will consider a quarterback at 32. Um, obviously, Malik Wilson is not going to be there. I don't think he falls past Pittsburgh. He might not fall past Seattle. Um, whether it's Matt Corral, Sam Howell, um, Desmond Ritter, um, all those names get tossed about. I personally don't know on that. Um, I personally would take Matt Corral out of that group, by the way, but I don't know if they're they're all that invested in doing that this year. We'll find out. Yeah, it's an interesting time with the golf situation and and certainly wanted to get your opinion on Willis because like like Willis is the case study and the evolution of quarterback thought process, which is, hey, look at what Josh Allen did. Look at what guys do with tools, Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. what they can become, right? Like tools are starting to become. If you don't have the tools, then you can never become this guy, this player, this 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 overwhelming talent. But you know, people forget uh, as as we get further into this thing that you know the way Josh Allen kept positive, uh, you know, kept his team in a relatively net positive was that he could run. His legs created answers the first two years. The same for Lamar's first year, right? Uh, or sorry, as, as Lamar has continued on, Lamar's obviously been a, a solid passer, way better than some people yeah. tried to give him credit for. But it's the legs that give some guys added value and a chance to a extend plays. Right, they extend plays when when things get ugly, or maybe they miss a read that they needed to be on time for. They can use their legs to create extra time and create a net positive run or a net positive throw out of the pocket. Some of that stuff, and it's there. It's there for Malik, but it's like. You got to be patient with him. If you play him early, it's going to come with a ton of mistakes. It's going to come with some ugly seasons. And, you know, there is also no promise that these guys with tools can become the player that that some of these recent examples have put forth. There are tons of examples of guys before them who have had plenty of tools and never amounted to certain things. So I think Willis carries a ton of uh, a ton of risk, uh, a ton of a uh, ton of projection. I know the pro football guys are extremely high on him. I get it. The tools are fun. But there's a lot to develop there, and I could certainly see Campbell not wanting to get all too entrenched in that when he's, you know, he's going to, in the next two or three years, the NFL gets impatient, as you know, Jeff, and they're gonna, yes. he's going to have to start coaching for his job. So that's what's interesting. Who do you think they take it to? What's your hunch? 
they my I have been very strongly led to believe that if Aiden Hutchinson is there, he will be the pick. And it makes a lot of sense. He's local. He fits their need. They're switching to a four-man front. You put Aiden Hutchinson as the as the the left to defensive end in that defense, and it can be really good really quickly. Um, if he's not there, man, Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau, um, I think Kyle Hamilton is probably not in the works um, for a variety of reasons aside from his um, unsavory workout times, which, by the way, um, the Lions GM and head coach have both told us this year they do not care about 40 times. They care about uh, GPS and game film. And uh, I know I know that Kyle Hamilton was clocked at 21.18 miles per hour at Notre Dame on their GPS thing, um, which would make him the second fastest Detroit Lion, period, um, which kind of says a lot about the Lions and why they went 313-1. and one. <laughs> um, uh, they, they do need a wide receiver. That, it's too early for a wide receiver. So I, I, I'm guessing they take the pass rusher. I don't think they take – there's been some talk lately about um, offensive line. Look, they got a star in Panay Sewell last year. Um, he, he's he's going to be one of the best right tackles in the NFL. He, he might be there already. Taylor Decker is a top 10 left tackle. They just paid him an absorbent amount of money last offseason. He's there for the long haul. You're not taking Evan Neal or, or Iki Ikwanwu, um at two and saying, oh, by the way, move to guard. Like, they're not doing that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> it's just such an interesting pick spot, a spot where they can move, but a spot where you're always trying to sort of justify some things, right? Justify certain positions. It's too early for a wide receiver. Maybe they move back or there's plenty of of, of uh, quality players up at that spot. And uh, listen, you know, this is a Browns pod, but I like to check in on the Great Lakes Challenge and see what's going on That's up right. in Detroit. We're all connected. We're all intertwined. Why we have Jeff here, though, is I want to get his opinion on the Browns, too, at pick 44 and like. I know there's some things, Jeff, that are still to be decided uh, in terms of what the Browns add to their current roster that makes certain positions less uh, desirable, maybe is the way to put it. I know that the Browns have been very vocal about entering the draft as an expansion team and thought process and, and evaluating things that way. And this year, probably more than ever, because they don't have a high pick where you get that high pick questions about position investment, some things like that. But what I would ask is, like, what do you think? Who are some guys at 44 that you think, like, Guys at 44 that you think would be great selections that they need to come out of 44 with like one of these five guys. Like who are your five guys you're honing in on there? 
Yeah, so uh, my focus is primarily on defensive line, pass rush, and I would love a slot wide receiver. So my, my choices are going to be in that realm. And my favorite guy is Travis Jones from UConn. I, I saw him in person at the Senior Bowl. He is so, like, perfect for what they need uh, as a replacement for, for the Maliks that, that, are, that are gone. Um, an interior pocket collapser who can play the run pretty well on the way to getting the passer. Like that, that that's yeah. Give me that. Like he, he would be the yeah. gold standard for that. I, I don't know if he's going to be there. Um, it, uh, you see mocks where he's like sneaking into the very bottom of the first round, which I don't kind of buy, but I do think that you know, there, there's 12 picks in the, in the second round before we get to the Browns. And that like, that's, there's a lot of teams in there that need him too. So um, but but he's he's my personal favorite. If I can't get him, um, Perrion Winfrey, um, who's not as good against the run, but might be better at creating at creating uh, a pass rush, and you can move him around a little bit more. I, I think Jones is more of a, a stuck on the inside at his size. I believe he's three hundred twenty pounds. You know, Winfrey, you can move him around a little bit more. He can play a little bit more outside um, or a five technique if they want to go to a, an odd man front every now and then. You know, you can you can do gimmicks with him that you probably can't do with 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 Jones. So that's you know he's he's a fun one. Another guy who was who was good at the Senior Bowl has some good tape. Um, uh, you know, again, d- defensive tackle not the sexiest position, but they've got to hit on one at some point. Like I'm I'm not a Jordan Elliott fan. Like they they've got to get better than Tommy Togiai. You know that they, they've got to keep trying until they get it right. Uh, and so so those would be like my two. Like the, the the big guys that I want there. If I'm looking at slot receiver, I, I don't think that the Jan Dotson's gonna be there from Penn State. David Bell is interesting. Look, I know he timed terrible. I know he's not a good athlete. That guy's a football player. And like that gets I, I can I can see people listening to this rolling their eyes. Like, just watch that guy play. Like everything that he does is exactly what you want from a Cleveland Browns wide receiver. He gets open quickly, even though he's not the best athlete. He busts his butt. He's a great blocker. He's a great teammate. Um, and it's not just like run blocking. Like if, if somebody catches a pass on the other side of the field, he's blocking the backside better than any receiver, any other receiver in this draft. And I love that. And that's something that I don't think gets gets talked up enough. You know, just the mental toughness that he has. I, I, I really like him. Um, I understand it's probably a little early for him for his testing, but if you like him, you like him. Um, another guy, uh, a guy that I've seen play a lot because um, I, I live right by the campus, is uh, Sky Moore from Western Michigan. He is much more athletic, much more dynamic. He's a guy that you can you can throw a, a simple bubble screen to, and he can work off one block and score from 60 yards out. He can also play as a return man, and I'm still up in the air on how I feel about the, the various return options that the Browns have in-house right now. So Sky Moore, look, he's one of the things that I like about him is that he dealt with weird quarterback play. Like Caleb Ellaby gets talked up as a prospect. Personally, I don't really see it. I don't think I don't have a draftable grade on him. I, don't, I just don't think that the arm strength is there or the athleticism is there. But uh, like we've seen. Sky Moore be able to to operate off of a short range passing game and turn it into long range games, and that what we want the Browns to do. We want them to be able to hit, a, you know, <laughs> yeah, a, a, exactly, a third and seven slant but that goes four yards and he can get the first down. Give me that, and and he can do that pretty reliably. So so that would be 
where I'm at with, you know, wide receivers. I'm not so interested in an outside receiver anymore, not not with Amari Cooper and not with, uh, look, I am an Anthony Schwartz, I, I don't want to say fan, but I'm going to advocate that I think he can get a lot better in his second season. Uh, I think that Donovan Peoples-Jones can be okay as your number three outside wide receiver. I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I want to get more dynamic. Uh, and Bell and and Moore are very different types of players, but they're 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 the different means to the same end, which is improving the passing game over the middle of the field. I I, I really want to see that. Then one last guy, I and I'm higher on him than most people are, but Cameron Thomas from San Diego State, uh, pass rusher. He can stand up. He can put his hands in the dirt. He can he can loop inside. You can drop him into coverage. He can actually play a little bit of off ball linebacker if you need him to. Um, really he's good. fascinating he's so fascinating is like they they used him so weird in that yeah. defense or they'd like head up four tech him sometimes he'd be a three tech then he's outside but he's like not outside as like a traditional outside player like they had him so tight to the line of scrimmage I really would be interested and in, I don't know what you think if you think he has enough juice to be a traditional strong side edge that they could need in the future like I'm just fascinated but it's such a weird evaluation because of how how odd his alignments are. Yeah, and, and you're projecting what he can do based off of what you've seen and, and his physical traits. And I do think that he can he can play that. Like he, I believe he's 270 pounds. I, I think is what he came in at the combine. Maybe a little bit under that. But yeah, I, I he reminds me of of what the the best manifestation of Port Augustine could be. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. And, I think that's and, fair. Like you can use that, whether Clowney's back or not, you've got to get a, a longer term solution at that spot. Uh, I I think he's a very good player, and I think he's I I see Joe Woods seeing him as a player that I can move around a little bit. I can play games with him with Miles if I need to. You know, I can do a lot of different things with him. So I I, I think that they will like him, and I like him. Look, it's probably earlier than you're going to see him projected. I don't care. That's my guy. I like him. <laughs> I like him too. I think he's a sneaky pick 44 guy. Logan Hall is another one, right? Like, uh, oh, yeah. where are you at on Logan Hall? Do you think he's justifiable? He's another weird one where like his body is built to be an edge, but he spent all of his time inside at Houston, you know? Yeah. And, and I like him a lot and, uh, I, I have him. Um, so I'm actually, I'm finishing my, my big board for real GM, um, as we speak at this actually, uh, and he's six spots below Cam Thomas, so there, there's no fault in there in, in where I would have him. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I, I actually think that he's probably going to be a more dynamic pass rusher. I think Thomas is probably a little bit better at playing at the other aspects of the game. Uh, and you know, if if you if you're just looking for the the straight pass rush, you, you you can certainly justify Logan Hall from Houston there as as the pick. And I don't have a problem with that at all. Yeah, he's just got to play a little lower, but I think you can adjust play height. I mean, I think yeah, really, and, that's one of the things you can I think work on. Some of that is some of that I think is also how he just how he's been coached um, to like always find the ball. Like I know that's something that the Houston defense stresses a lot. Like always know where the ball is, and he just sort of periscopes up out of that. That can be coached. I I, I have enough faith in the, in the Browns coaching staff to make that work. Yeah, me too. I think so as well. I think he can make it work. So a lot of defensive guys there at 44, unless, like we said, unless they lock somebody into a long-term contract at edge, which is looking more and more slim by the day, it uh, it's, it does seem like something they need to continue to address. And there's an alignment, in my opinion, of that pick 44 and the players that are going to be available kind of sitting there. I think Travis Jones 
may end up in the first round. We'll see. It'll be tight. Do you think Ajabo falls? Do you think he ends up in, in that range, 44 now with this injury? And if he does, do you take him and stash him and hold on? Like, what do you think about that outcome? Yeah, I do think he'll be there. Uh, and I personally would pass. Um, and, and I'll say this. As somebody, okay. um, um, I saw him play at Michigan. He is a guy who is overly reliant on being a better athlete than the guy that's trying to block him. And now he's had an injury that robs athleticism. Like, like I know, I know everybody points to Cam Akers. Like that, that's the unicorn. Like you don't, you, that's not typical. He's not going yeah, to, and not, and, and not very effective. Like when he came back, he, you know, that's the other part of it. Nobody yeah. gets Jake. He wasn't that good. He had one nice run. That was it. Yeah. It's just a tough thing to rush back into. And like, and you would agree with this, I'm sure, where you're putting so much stress on your Achilles as a pass rusher because you're bending at a running backs do bend a little bit here and there. I mean, they're bending and they cuddle, but you're putting all your weight on that, on the, on those Achilles sometimes, man, to make those turn corner situations. It gets really dicey. Am I wrong in that thinking or what do you, what do you think? No, you're absolutely right. And, and that's that, you know, I'm not going to lose one year out of a four-year contract on a guy who was already a project. Like, I wasn't as high on him as a lot of people were. You know, I didn't see a first-round player when I watched him at Michigan. I saw a guy who could emerge as a as one of the, the best players in this draft, but he's not there yet. Like, so much of what he does is just based on raw athleticism. We talked about it with Willis. Like, you do have to have the physical tools. He's got the physical tools, but... Uh, in the situation where the Browns are, I'm not. I'm not going to wait for a, an an extra year for a second round pick. I just I can't do that. Like I I can get somebody in there who can play now. Like like the way that they've gone in with the draft picks, you really can't miss on these guys that you have under cost control. Like you've got to make those work, and uh, you, you can't. You just can't sacrifice one like that. That that's the unfortunate business of where they are after what they've done to acquire Deshaun Watson, just strictly from a football standpoint. Like, you can't miss on those picks anymore. One of the reasons the Rams got where they did, they hit on all those middle-round picks, guys like Cooper Cup. You know, that, yeah, that, that's that's the part of it that gets lost. Like, yeah, they they, they took the risks and got guys like Jalen Ramsey and, and Matthew Stafford, but they were able to, to invest those draft picks in making that the way that the Browns have with Deshaun because they hit on all their, their cost-controlled cheap draft picks. Browns have to follow that model. There, there's no, there's no alternative path to that. Yeah, that's, it's actually quite amazing how little this is being talked about, and like the Rams may be doing the best job, may, maybe ever with these picks. Like they're get, they've gotten over the past five years a bunch of second contract contributors on this, not big time guys, but like real contributors and guys that they're keeping around, and it's kind of bananas that it's not talked about a, a, a ton. You know, some guys like John Johnson have gotten away, but they've been able to bring in the Jordan Fullers of the world, like to step in and, and be ready to go and put, it's unbelievable what they've done. And you're, you're spot on here. The Browns, you know, you think the draft has pressure when you have a first round pick. Nah, that's not really it. When you have to hit on 44 and beyond, that's when the pressure gets real because you have, you cannot, if you bring in seven, eight guys in this draft and, and only one of them is a contributor, like that can't be the outcome when you sort of uh, mortgage your future on the quarterback position like we've seen here. Yeah. And, you know, you know, the Rams hitting on guys like Greg Gaines and um, oh, God, Darius yeah. Williams, you know, guys like that, like like Daryl Henderson is a third round pick. Like I, I know they get bagged on for the run game. That guy's pretty good. 
Um, you know, they've rebuilt their offensive line. Um, and like, look, look what they did. <laughs> they got the cast off from, from the Browns that I still can't believe. You know, the, the, they like you have to you have to find those when you're in a position like the Browns are, where you don't have the ability to add for premium free agent talent, um, yeah. and you can like because because of the the cost. And you can't add them in the draft. Like you've got to hit on those. So from 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 a standpoint of taking an injured guy like David Ajabo or a guy that has like serious injury flags, a guy like Derek Stingley. Not that the Browns are looking at at cornerback, and not that he'll be there. But like you can't take those risks anymore. You you've limited what your options are, and those guys don't fit in that option window anymore. It's absolutely bananas when you look at their drafting. Like they're if you go back to 16 with the Rams, they had one first round pick there with Goff, but then they didn't have anything until the 4th and in the 4th round they find Tyler Higby. The next yeah. year in 17, they take Gerald Everett, they take Cooper Cup, second round, third round, John Johnson in the third round, Josh Reynolds in the 4th round. They go in the next year they only have a third round pick but they land Noteboom in the third round. They take Micah Kaiser in the 5th round. They take um, Ogbenia in the fifth round. Again, yeah. they take Sebastian Joseph Day in the sixth round. You're talking again in 19, Taylor Rapp, who's been a contributor, Daryl Henderson, David Long. Uh, who else is there? There's your Greg Gaines. Even into 2020, Van Jefferson's been a contributor. Jordan Fuller's a sixth-round pick that's been a contributor. It's kind of crazy how well these guys have done without a first-round pick in so long. And uh, we'll see what their 2021 looks like, but that's just an incredible run of giving up picks netting a Super Bowl and then trying to still they're still going to continue to field competitive rosters because they've just been able to draft effective enough players with those picks that they've had post round one, you know, uh, additional picks. And well, they're going to get even tighter, though, Jeff. They, they gave up more than they've ever given up. I don't know. I haven't seen how many picks they have in 22, but I don't think there's very many there. But uh, no, they, they I think they have a third and a sixth and that might be it. <laughs> Yeah, so even more pressure. But it is neat to see what you can do, like giving up these first-round picks and still being able to find even some second-round picks and being able to find uh, find answers for them. So, Jeff, this was great, man. Thanks for your time. I know that everybody here loves to hear perspective on on uh, you know pick 44 and, and some insights on the Lions because the Lions are going to be big players in this draft. And we're looking – listen, Browns don't have a first-round pick, so we're looking for uh, – Looking for storylines here to pay attention to in the first round. So we'll be watching what the Lions do at pick two. We appreciate you, man, very much. Hey, as somebody who grew up halfway between uh, Cleveland and Detroit in, in the, the Sandusky region, um, it, look, we're, we're brothers, man. We got we got to pull for each other in the Great Lakes. So <laughs> I'm all about it. So thanks for having me on, Jake. Appreciate it. Of course. Thanks again, Jeff. All right. That's a wrap for today's episode. Huge thanks to Jeff for joining in today. Uh, I'm in taking his time this morning to go through some of those picks and players of interest. I think he gives good insight and you should be following him because he does a broad variety of NFL stuff and expand your horizons with the NFL and, and, uh, but he still dabbles in the Browns too. So, uh, anyway, thanks again for also checking out the show on your Thursday. Hope it's a great day for you. We will hopefully be back with, uh, Fridays with John Colosimo tomorrow as John has been under the weather and had a bit of a crazy work schedule late last week so we couldn't link up with him so hopefully we make that happen anyway you catch me tomorrow um, well I guess you catch me Friday I'll have a result of the Cavs game what that experience is like I haven't been up to the new stadium haven't been up to everything since they redesigned and uh, I'm really excited about seeing this young team play the Mavs and Luka Doncic so it should be a ton of fun hopefully the Cavs show up and are able to take care of business 
and all of that. Appreciate your support of the website. Appreciate your support of the Twitch and this podcast as usual. Highly, highly grateful, guys. Have a great Thursday. Thanks for stopping by and go Browns. Go Browns.